0: You know, in history, things didn't move very fast throughout in, in, until we got to this, almost to this current time. You know, sometimes it took five to 600 years for some churches to be built. Now, think about that. Think about if you're on the, the building committee or you're giving, you're giving to that. It's a generational church. It's a, you build and then your father builds, and then, or your son builds, and then your grandson builds, and your great-grandson or granddaughter builds, and all, it goes on and on and on. And that's, that's what happened most of the time in life is that things didn't move very fast. But we live in a different world where things are changing that you never thought could change. Gender changing, who could do that? You know, culture changing, family changing, what is? Everything changes around us, and, and it's easy to get trapped into this crisis mentality that the world lives in. They go from crisis to crisis to crisis, and we've been talking about how do we overcome that? How do we overcome the, the, the feeling about, I've got to survive this crisis until I can get to the next crisis? Uh, and, and I use the word crisis, but you know what I'm talking about, this all of a sudden, the car broke down, and then the AC broke, and then the computers aren't working. Come on. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to say, if I can just get through this, but God has a different a different way to live. That's the world's ER, but God's ER is completely different. God's ER is different. We talked about uh, God's ER being wiser. ER, that's God's We have to live wiser. Remember, that was about taking the old and... Understanding the new. We've got to pull out the old, what God did and what God will do. And then we talked about breathing deeper, about, about learning what does it mean to go deeper into the things of God. This morning, I want to talk about standing stronger, because ultimately, that's what it's all about. How do we stand in crisis? How do we stand when things go wrong? How do we stand and trust God even when everything seems to be upside down? But we're going to talk about standing stronger against kite-flying giants. (laughs) And you're thinking, what in the world is that? What does kite-flying giants mean? And and where did did that come from? It's a picture, but I want you to understand it. And, And my goal this morning is that you never forget this picture. That when you're in a crisis and you're hurting and you're struggling and you don't know if you can make it through and you don't know if the pain's too much and you don't know if you're, if you're going to make it, you remember who you're up against. You're up against kite-flying giants. So let's start with Deuteronomy chapter 9. And just this is Moses, and he's given a blessing to Israel right before they go into the Promised Land. So look what it says. It says, you're about to cross. You're about to go into the promised land. You're about to receive everything that God has promised you. And as you do that, this is what... You've got to love this blessing. This is what Moses is saying to him. You're going to go up against nations greater than you are. They're stronger than you are. That have walls that go all the way up to the sky. How many's excited so far? <laughs> this is Moses painting the picture of what they're up against. They're all the way up to the sky. The people are strong. And tall. Anakite. <laughs> Did you get that? They're anakites. They're flying a kite. If any, he goes on You know about them, and you've heard about them, and you say to yourself, who can stand against kite-flying giants? Who can stand against this death, this pain, this trouble, this marital issue, this physical pain? Who can stand against this besetting sin that kicks me down every time when I feel like I want to move closer to God. Who, who can deliver me from all of this? <laughs> Paul said the same thing and said, even though it's overwhelming, thanks be to Christ, who is our salvation, who is our answer. Who can stand against these kite-flying giants? And you think, well, what's the point? What's the kite flying? It's not just a, a play on the name and a kite. The giants and a kite. It's not just a a play on that. There's something that you need to understand about this. See, you can't defeat the giant. We get that wrong sometimes. But with your crisis you're dealing with, you're going to fail. You can't defeat that. It's too big. It's too great. They have walls to the sky. They're overwhelming. You can't. But God can. And God wants you to see them as they really are, as God sees them. They're nothing but a bunch of kite-flying giants. a bunch of children flying a kite compared to what God can do. In fact, the next verse, I condensed it because it's long, but you get the point. Deuteronomy 9.3, this is what it says. It says, God will destroy them. He's talking about the kite-flying giants in your life. God will destroy them, subdue them, annihilate them, and you will take over everything that they have. (laughs) Wow. In other words, they're nothing. They're nothing. Whatever your pain, whatever your struggle, whatever this thing that you think is too much, too great, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could last. I don't know if God could do this. It's not too much for God. It's not too much for God. And sometimes we talk about all kinds of things, things that we're afraid of in the future. Things that haunt us from the past—they're not too great, too tall for God. God is greater. So, what is your kite flying giant? Let's just get real. Don't 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 all speak out at once. <laughs> but in your heart, if something just jumped, like oh, I'm afraid of that, or what does this happen? or I can't do this, or this is not going to work out, or I'm weak here, or this. What, what is your kite flying giant? What is it that's up there that is acting like this big, bad gorilla? I love it. It was the, the girls in gorilla. I wasn't talking about Seth. Where would he go? <laughs> what, what is it that, that has you scared? What is it that is hanging on to you? You see, Moses, then in this blessing, and this warning really went in and said, okay, let me give you the most common thing that you're going to deal with. The most common giant. It's not the, 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 uh, the giants in a kite that you think it is. It's, it's something that is strong and that will defeat you if you don't know how to trust God. It's a, it, in fact, it's not only common for Israel, it's still common to us. Not much has changed in all these thousands of years. They were going to go in and God was going to wipe out the, the enemy, and they were going to take possession, but there was a problem that they were going to stand against. You see, and here it is. To stand against kite-flying giants, that's not KFC, in case some of you are hungry, it's KFG. It's, it, if you're going to stand against these kite-flying giants, you must stand against your self-righteousness. You got it. And it, it's, it's, it almost seems like a counterpoint. So Wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said, you just said, I can't stand against a giant, and now you're warning me against trying to stand against a giant. <laughs> see, this is the paradox that the Bible teaches us to help us to understand. How do we live in God? What, how do I live today? Tomorrow's Monday morning. I don't know, maybe you me have great Monday mornings. Or maybe Monday morning is just the hardest day ever to get up and get going, whatever. But in that day, in what you're dealing with, this is what you need to understand. You see, in, in a little while... And right after service, we're going to do water baptism. Woo! really excited about that. We're going to have it at my house. You're all welcome. Bring food. Uh, so it's going to be a, a great time. It's, it's really an extension of this service. I mean, we would baptize here, but there's nowhere to do that because we like to hold them underwater. Just kidding. It's not really. <laughs> uh, but you know what water baptism is really about? We talked about here Wednesday night about it's about faith. But more importantly, it's about surrender. Because you have to yield yourself to go into the water. You have to trust that I am not going to drop you. That's why there's always two of us. (laughs) That it's going to be okay. You have to trust to be baptized. You have to. it It is the ultimate Statement of faith that says, God, I gave you my life. Now I'm going to show you, and I'm going to show everyone around you, I trust you. And that's what it means to go into the water. Paul describes it as to go into the grave, to actually dying. That's the ultimate time of trust. Deuteronomy 9, 6, look what it says. It says, it was because of your righteousness, and you are so stiff-necked that you will fall against these giants. It is... It is not because you can do things. It's not because of your righteousness. It's because of your stubbornness to do it your way after God will set it all up, after God delivers us. See, God saves us, right? God has set us on the course. And then what do we do? We start living our own righteousness. Okay, this is how I think I'll do it. This is how I think I'll live. This is how much I think I'll, I'll go to church. Or this is how much I think I'll give. This is how much I think I'll be involved. I'll just do this. What is that? That's setting your own parameters. That's setting up how you think it should go. That's doing it the way you think instead of trusting God, instead of believing what God wants to do in your life. Moses said, You'll get in there and you'll say and you'll think, I did this. I did this. I took care of this. You know, and as Christians, we don't do that so much, you know. Maybe down deep inside when no one would hear you say, I did this. But all of a sudden what happens is, and the reason we go from crisis to crisis is God delivers us out of this crisis. God takes care of us and then we start moving on and then we start doing it our way. Living our the way we want, the way that we think we should. That is self-righteousness. That is doing it what we want. The greatest, greatest giant that you will face, that you are faced, is trying to stand stronger. Okay, now I'm confused. What do you mean? I'm, you're telling me to stand stronger. Yes. Watch this. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, now it is God who makes us and you stand firm in Christ. We have to stand strong. And I'm talking about standing strong, but not in your strength, not in your righteousness, not in your uh, ability, but you have to work really hard to stand strong. In Christ. Have you ever met someone that works really hard at doing nothing? <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they plan, they scheme, they, they, they do all these shortcuts, or they do everything they can to, to, to get out of it, and they do that so much, they working so hard. You know, in one sense, even though that's a negative example, we have to work really, 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 really hard at not working hard. And you say, Greg, that's crazy, that, that, that's backwards mix up that's the bible that's what scripture says is that you just trust i have to work really hard to stay in christ to stay in who he is to do what he wants me to do and not to do what i think is right and set up my own parameters and and everything you'll never defeat your fear your sin the struggle that you're having in your life the struggle that the crisis that you're dealing with and in that in, in your own efforts it's only in christ it's only in christ you can never do it on your own. We know the story of David and Goliath, David against the giant, right? We know, we know what happens. Let me give you the multiverse version of that. <laughs> With something, a different timeline. <laughs> Where David, David comes out and he, has, uh, he, he picks up the five stones and says, Oh, that sounds like the same. Yeah. And he, and, he, and he puts it in his bag and he comes out there and he takes one and he puts it in the sling. And he swings it around and around and around and throws it, hits the giant, and the giant goes down. Oh, that seems like the same story. But in this story, David runs up and starts to kick the giant and say, I knew I could do it. I'm I'm better. I knew you wouldn't defeat me. And just starts running around bragging about himself. And pretty soon the giant wakes up. Because you see, in the story, in the Bible, what really happened is David went up there and cut his head off. So that giant is not going to wake up. Now, we don't know for sure whether the stone killed him, but it just knocked him down. What happened is when David killed the giant, he cut his head off, but sometimes we just go a little bit, and all of a sudden we forget what God has done. We forget that it's God that did that, and we don't trust him. We don't go the whole way. And the giant comes up and just all of a sudden what we thought was defeated, what we thought was taken care of, come on, it sneaks up behind us. I hate sneaking giants, (laughs) even if they're flying a kite. (laughs) It's like, oh, man. And we have to understand that God is the one that defeats it. God is the one that stands. Here's the second thought. To stand stronger against kite-flying giants, we must stand against fear. It's so simple. And yet, man, we we live, I I have never seen a culture filled with more fear. We have more things and more protection and more uh, whatever in our society, and yet, compared to societies in the past, and yet we live in fear. Fear of failure, fear of people, fear of condemnation, fear of what people will say. Fear, 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 fear. Fear we're not good enough. Fear we're not smart enough. Fear it's not going to work out. Fear God doesn't really love me. Am I getting there yet? (laughs) Fear that, that, that this is too much, that it's too hard. Fear of failure, fear of the future. It's not going to work out. You see, in water baptism, when someone goes down, they're surrendering, but there is a, a moment, a split second, not very long. I mean, just, just, just a second when we go down and that we bring up really fast. But before we get there, there is a moment that you just have to rest under the water. There's a moment that you have to trust. There is this moment of saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I am underwater. Have you ever been underwater? Come on. You ever feel like, I can't do this, I can't go? There is a moment that that happens when God is able to come in and we just have to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I will. And this is what you're thinking. This is what that moment is. I'm going to rise. (laughs) I'm, I'm going to come out of this water. I don't know. I don't see it now and there's nothing but crisis around me right now, and there's nothing but pain around me right now, and there's nothing but struggle, but somehow, some way, I want to come out of this. When, when you're in the middle of trials, and you're looking out at God, can that change? Will that ever be different? Is this going to turn around? Would it, what, is this future going to change? How can you do this? What do you do? Psalms 84. Such a great uh, chapter. I just want to... Focus on a couple of verses. It's a blessing. Here's another blessing. We've gone from Moses' blessing to David writing a blessing. This is what he says. Blessed are those whose strength, in other words, who's strong, is in you, God. Blessed are those who are strong in the Lord. As they pass through the valley of Baca. What? Valley of Baca. Yeah, we'll talk about that. From strength to strength until each appears before God. They move from strength to strength. They go from stronger to stronger, from stronger to stronger. What is that about? see, the Valley of Baca was known as the Valley of Weeping. The Valley of, it's a metaphorical, more pictures. It's a metaphorical times of struggles of people that are on a journey and things go wrong. You ever been on a journey and things went wrong? (laughs) The car broke down in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Something happens, there's a crisis going on, someone's throwing up in the back seat, whatever. <laughs> you, you feel that way, like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? How, I'm gonna, how am I going to move forward? That's the valley of Baca. That's the valley of weeping, of weeping I'm saying that I can't do this. And the Bible says, David says, the blessing is you'll get stronger and stronger in the valley. Through the, you'll move from strength to strength to strength. We'll do, we'll, uh, the New Testament picks up on the same thing. Jesus talked about it, but look at James chapter 1, verse 12. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres, who, who doesn't give up under the trial, under the pressure, under the struggle, because they stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised. Same thing, same, same blessing. Moving from strength to strength from strength. When we were in Maui a few weeks ago, right before the fire, we had the opportunity to go up to the uh, chocolate plant. That's the highlight of of the trip, really. I'm in Maui, and the highlight of of the trip was eating chocolate. Oh, my goodness. Do you know they make chocolate that just tastes real? It tastes like chocolate. Do you know that there is actually a chocolate out there that doesn't taste like wax? We don't know that. They don't sell that here. But it was, it was incredible. It was, it was, we had this chocolate tasting. And he, Ted, the, 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 the owner, was passionate. They're all closed down now. The whole, the whole plant, uh, the workers that worked there all lost their homes. There was nine of them. And uh, the, everything they had, the wind destroyed everything, not even the fire. And so it would be a year before they get back up. But, so we had some of the last chocolate. Interesting, But anyway, the, he told this story that just amazed me. He said, you know what? He said, chocolate, in one sense, is a lot like wine. And I said, well, I don't know anything about wine. But he said, if you, if you go to a, a, a Napa Valley or something like that, there's, they produce wine that just tastes different from everyone. It, it has a, a, a strength and an, a flavor and, a, and a, it's something that, that, that gives it some context. It's just really, really good, right? And he says, you know how that's produced? Because it's a dry land. And in the chocolate industry, the people, just saying who, big companies want a lot of chocolate. And so they pay all the chocolate uh, growers to to do the most production possible. The biggest production, a lot of chocolate, a lot of chocolate, a lot of chocolate. And what happens is because they water it and they're big and like that, the chocolate comes out bland. And... Not very tasty, and just sort of simple, just sort of there. He said, "But in our like on, on Maui, he said there's not a lot of rain, hence the dryness and the fire. There's not a lot of rain, and we don't water it, and it struggles. Watch this, it struggles to grow. It strives to get to grow the chocolate bean. It, it struggles, and in that struggle, it produces such flavors." And such quality. And so all the chocolate they get from different places, even in, around the world, they always get it from individual growers that are willing to allow it to just struggle through. God, why am I struggling? God, why is this hurting? God, why is my marriage this way? And why am I having this physical pain? And, and why is the finances all falling apart? Why is this? It's because God doesn't love you. You, well, that's what we think God loves the whole world except me isn't that crazy? God loves the whole world except you he doesn't, he doesn't love you no he loves you and only wants the very best but you know what's happening in that you're moving from strength from strength instead of from crisis to crisis we can't do that we have to move from strength to strength and say God somehow some way just like Jared was preaching earlier, and he was preaching earlier by the way Jesus came up be preaching about Paul and Silas and they were beaten and then the depths of prison where all the sewage went it was a it was a bad situation it was they were beaten and bloody and and the, what they do i'm going to praise god they moved from strength to strength and came out stronger because of it are we willing to move from strength to strength are we willing to say god there's a flavor in me that you're going to bring out there's something in me that's going to come out stronger. There's something that's going to change everything. In fact, Psalms 84, verse 11, it just that chapter sort of wraps up with, God will, uh, no good thing does he withhold. No good thing. If it's good, God's going to give it to you. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. Those that trust him. Those that move from strength to strength. Now, this is the same chapter that's talking about walking through the valley of Baca and now it's saying no good thing. Yes, that's the point. <laughs> No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, you can move from strength to strength if you're not afraid, if you trust God, if you believe God for the future that he has for you. No good thing does he withhold. See, is your kite flying giant, giant taunting you? Is it trying to predict a future for you? that everything's not going to work out, everything's going to fall apart, it's not going to work out, your marriage isn't going to make it, your life isn't going to make it, your body isn't going to make it, your finances isn't going to make it. (laughs) Heard that story. Come on, come on. It's easy to fall into that, to think that and to see that, but God has so much more. Are you willing to trust him or are you going to live in fear? Fear will not move you from strength to strength. Faith moves from strength to strength. You see, to stand stronger against kite-flying giants, we must stand against, and here's the last one, and Moy, this is exciting, against binding, against being, living a bound life. And there's so many Christians I, in this world, I, it's just amazing to me, we just live from not faith to faith, from strength to strength, but we live from crisis to crisis, and from binding to binding. We're bound up in so many ways. You see, in water baptism, when you come up, it represents a, a freedom, a loosening, an unbinding in life. It just, they're, people are, are set free from where they, where they were, their old life, their old way of thinking, their old way of doing. It's a freedom to says, I want to live a new life. I'm going to believe God is doing something more for me. You see, you cannot face kite flying giants if you're bound. You cannot do that. If you live a bound life, a, a connected life, a life that's holding you, you can't do that. You can't live that way. You have to live something. Look, at look, Matthew, I love Matthew 16, verse 19. It says, Jesus says, I will give you, now watch this, I will give you the keys. I will give you the keys. God gives me the keys. I will give you the keys, and whatever you loose will be loosed, and whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose will be loosed. In other words, he says, I have the keys to set you free. I have the key that you can do amazing things. This was to all the disciples, not just to Peter, not just to one, to all of them. You will, you have the key to change everything. Do you realize, I didn't realize this, even now, bottle openers are called church keys. Do you know that? Some of the bottle openers, you know where that comes from? How many knew that? Only only people that really drink. But anyway, it, it does. It's called a church key. And and you think, what is that? So they used to have these skeleton keys, right? The skeleton key, and, and you know why they call it a skeleton key? Because it's bare bones. Anyway, so it's, that's true. It's a true story. The skeleton key, its just a very minimal little uh, key. But this skeleton key uh, would use to unlock locks and things like that. And in the end, it would have a circle at the end with the little prongs. And and this started happening all around the early 1800s, something like that. In, in, in that time, most of the liquor, the wine cellars were underneath the churches. And you're thinking, man, I lived in the wrong time frame. <laughs> it's a true story. Uh, uh, I don't know what that says about pastors, but there it is. It's, it, was, it was underneath. It was in the, in the cellar down there. So the key to the church, not only was a key to open up the church, but you would go down to the cellar and then you would turn the key around and you would use it like a bottle opener on the cork. And it would open up. It would open up. And the church key is still your freedom. The church key is still what opens up. The church key is still the Christ key is what changes your life and opens up everything. Jesus says, I have the keys that unlocks every secret pain, every dark room in the depths of your soul. That You're saying, God, that door will never unlock. He says, I have the key to change your life, that you can live in a freedom, in an openness, in a trust. See, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I love this. Jesus says, I am the living one. <laughs> I hold the keys of death and hell. The key to life. The key to everything. Everything. See, if you have the keys to death and hell, you have the keys to life. You have the keys to everything. And that's what God has done. That's what Jesus has. He has the keys. The church key, the the Christ key, opens up doors. Opens up every door in your life. And you see, you have to see that. You have to live unbound. You cannot go against these giants if you see them as just monsters in your life that are taller than the walls in the sky. But if you see them as... God sees them as just kite flying giants that he could uh, move, move out of your life, then you un- begin to understand that you have the keys to live a life. Not of fear, not overwhelming, not a defeat, but of life. Jesus has the key. But guess what? He gave you the key so that someone else could be free. He gave you the key. You have the key to free somebody else. You say, "Oh, I, I, I can't save them. No, 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 no. You can't. But you can give them the gospel. You can give them the good news. You can tell them and show them. Somebody says that, I know you're bound. I know you're broken. I know you're hiding in your dark, secret room. But God has the keys to unlock that, to overcome whatever monsters is hiding back there, whatever is overwhelming you, whatever's scaring you, whatever you're thinking is too much, is too great, is a gorilla in the sky. God is able to defeat. And that's what God does. And that's what kite flying giants are all about. God coming in and moving them out. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's, let's trust. I didn't mean stand, but let's do that. Let's do that. You guys are so obedient. I love that. I've done let's stand before and everyone stared at I me. Mean, Man, I gotta do it. But that's just good. This is what God wanted. You're going to stand. You're going to stand. We're going to stand stronger. Stand stronger in everything that God's trying to do in our life. Hang on to that. Be loosed. Whatever is loosed will be loosed in your life. God has a freedom for you to live. Father, in the name of Jesus, everybody in this room, everybody in the sound of my voice watching online now or in the future or anytime, God, right now, right here, Father, we are trusting you. We're believing for you. And the giants that seem to overwhelm us, God, we believe with all of our heart, you're just going to move away and brush away and blow away like a kite that's lost in the air. Because God, you are our God. You are our deliverer. And Lord, I pray for every single soul here, every single person. If there's anyone struggling, God, with their own life, struggling with their own sin, and they haven't surrendered to you, Father, I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, they would just say, God, come in. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I want to have this newness. I want to live a life that's unbound, a life that's set free, a life that only you can put into my life. And God, I pray for that. And I'm believing that for every single soul, every single heart. God, I pray you set us free. Let us laugh at the kite flying giants and know that you are our God, that you can't overcome anything in our life. In the name of Jesus.